Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and the Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Welcome, everybody, to The Saver and the Spender podcast. This is episode 20 And this is our credit score special episode where we're talking all about credit scores and everything credit score, basically. The Equifax breach that is going on that everybody is should be freaking out about, actually. Um, If you're not, then we're going to tell you uh, what to do and how to see if you're affected and and, uh, all that crazy stuff. So let's start, just jump right in and, and have Kelsey explain what a credit score is, what does it mean, how do you get a credit score, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so first of all, this should be, um, could probably be like multiple podcasts, okay? So there's a lot that goes into credit reports, credit scores, and then now we have this additional layer right now, which is this data breach thing and what we should be doing. So um, if we don't answer your question, we will hopefully get to it another time. We want to um, get really good, obviously. It says something went wrong. No, keep talking. Okay. Um, We you know, obviously could dive into this a lot deeper and hopefully we will as time goes on. So I did want to say, um, that I'm sorry. I've been MIA from a few of the podcasts for a while. Uh, I, one of the things I hope people know is that we offer a lot of services when it comes to the financial wellness world and the podcast is just one of them. And I think it's really important to know there's a lot of people out there that do a podcast and only do a podcast to spread a message. And there's nothing wrong with that, or they only have a blog. Um, we, we do this as a way of adding a service to our clients. So in the meantime, we're meeting with people, we've got appointments scheduled and we're, we're trying to do this, um, in the middle of all of that. So, uh, one of the other things that we feel very, uh, is very important is personal development. So we will either travel often. We just got back this last weekend from Carlsbad where we, uh, did some training and personal development for ourselves. And so we do think this is something very important for other people to do. And, uh, one of the things that's coming up is the connect inspire go conference on September 27th. This is for all those East Valley Phoenix people, um, connect inspire go September 27th from 1230 to 630. I'm actually presenting one of the sessions. uh, And it's really about connecting with people, feeling inspired and taking action. So that's what that go step is. Um, And it's really important, I think, to attend these things on a regular basis, maybe once a quarter or so, if you can, as a person, because you find yourself surrounded by the same people, surrounded by the same politics of your work or the drama in your family, Uh, any number of things, you just kind of get into a rut or a routine and we don't always realize that we haven't challenged it or that we're settling a little too much within that routine. So I think the beautiful thing about these types of events is that you go and even if you get one really good idea from it, like it is worth it because it can, those little ideas can really change your outlook on life, your goals for your life, all sorts of things. And I have no doubt that people will get that from Connect Inspire Go. Uh, The website is Connect dash inspire dash go.com. So if you want to register for that, if you're in Phoenix and you're particularly in the East Valley, we don't get represented too much. So no. And this is for, um, 
women? Women, thank you. Yes, it's for women. And business owners or just women in general that need women some in empowerment general. and need some some education? And exactly. do you know some of the other topics that are going to be covered? They're all on the website. Okay. Um, so they've got a whole list of what the speakers are and the presentations are. So like I said, connect, it's all about like connecting on a deeper level with people, interpersonal skills, learning just skills in that way. Um, inspire is just inspirational type messages or learning new ideas, um, challenging maybe our thoughts in those ways. And then go is about taking action. So I am part of the go track. So uh, taking action on your finances, the step-by-step process to follow in that way. So that's, I'm part of that third track, uh, but I have no doubt that the other tracks look amazing. So I'm awesome. excited to attend. Um, so, and then there's one more coming up that we have. Yeah. So on October 6th, 7th and 8th in Phoenix is the women's, uh, Phoenix Women's Expo. Um, and we are going to be there and Kelsa is speaking, uh, on Saturday, I believe, and it's like two o'clock or it's right after the keynote speaker uh, on Saturday, I believe. And we'll have the links in the comments here so you can register. And actually, we have special links that can get you free tickets to go if you do want to go. So it's like a three-day weekend of uh, awesome vendors and speakers and empowerment for women. Uh, and Kelsey's speaking on Saturday. And there are the three keynote speakers. One I know. And that is Marsha Clark, who is the uh, prosecutor from the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, so she'll be speaking. Uh, and then the other two, I have no idea who they are. They are. Knows them for show. I'm super excited because it's women from like the Real Housewives, different Real Housewives cities. And so I'm pretty excited because that's a guilty pleasure of mine is watching the Real Housewives. So I'm going to get to meet some, I hope, and I can't wait. <laughs> Do you remember who, who, who they are, what I, the names know, are? I'm really bad at names. You know that. So I, I don't remember the names. I can totally picture who they are. The one um, Tardy to the Party singer. I don't remember her name, but tardy to the party? Nope. Nothing. <laughs> um, so that's one of them. But, and I don't remember the other one, but okay. I'm really excited. So, okay. Okay, cool. All right. So let's dig into credit stuff. Yes. Here we go. All right. So first, let's have Kelsey just explain what a credit score is, what it means, how do you get it, just the nitty gritty of what a credit score does for you and what it is. Yes. Okay. So a credit score is essentially a score that is provided to you and it's supposed to define your credit worthiness or your ability to repay debts. Hmm. Okay. So it lists, uh, any type of loan or credit card or debt that you've had, whether that's a mortgage or a second mortgage credit cards. So revolving debt, um, car loans. So those are things like installment loans, uh, nowadays it's also including, uh, even some utility bills, um, mm. get reported. It can include things that get sent to collections. So a medical bill that you, you know, maybe forgot to pay or didn't even know existed then goes and hits your credit report. Okay. Mm. So, and your score is determined by algorithms that takes all of these different factors into consideration, which um, if you could, while I'm talking, go grab the thing that I printed because oh, yeah. I printed something and didn't grab it off the printer. So thanks, honey. Um, so it essentially is meant to say your, your credit worthiness. I, you know, we could get on this whole soapbox on how 
this really people use this as a way of feeling worthy in this world. So like, oh, I have a good credit score. I manage my money really well. And they either do or do not. And really the credit score is not always a great indication of whether they are good with their money or not. Um, in order to have a good credit score, you have to have credit first of all. So in order for them to see whether or not you pay back debt overall, they have to, you have to prove that, that you've paid off debt. So you have to take on debt in order mm -hmm. to prove this. You know, we could get into a whole philosophical conversation around this on whether or not it makes sense. Either way, whether you like it or not, it's sort of the game we're all forced to play. Mm -hmm. So let's just get really good at playing it, right? right. I mean, we don't have a choice. It, nobody asked me my opinion necessarily, right. right? So the credit scores, there are three main ones. And so when people hear about your credit score, they usually are referring to these three main ones, which is Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. These are the, the names of the th main three credit reporting agencies, okay? So the Something that I like people to know is that these are actually for-profit companies. So people assume that um, you know these are government agencies and they are here for citizens of the United States and all of that, and that is definitely not the case. Mm -hmm. These are four private companies that have lobbied together in order to get laws passed that favor them. So you know this is where we are all their customers. And yet I don't really think they're out there to serve us as their customers, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, none of us got a choice whether or not to do business with them. We just all have to do business with them. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think about, you know, how do they get paid? Well, anytime a, you go and apply for credit and they pull your credit. So whether you're going to go apply for a mortgage, anytime that lender wants to look at your credit report, they pay for that. So these credit bureaus are getting paid. And again, it's not really anything that we have a choice over. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you want to check your score or your credit report more than once in a given year, you're going to have to pay for that. So it is something that, um, that is essentially how they're making their money. Uh, these companies compile and then report your credit activity, but they also report, you know, where you work and live, any judgments or liens against you, you know, whether you pay on time, um, all of that. They don't do that great of a job, if you ask me, at ensuring that the the information they're receiving is accurate. They essentially report it and that's, they just report it. And then the ownership is on us, the consumer, to ensure it's accurate and to fight it when it's not accurate. Hmm. Does not that make fair. sense? Yeah, absolutely does. But mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense that that's yeah. what they do. Um, so a couple of other notes that I wrote down, I just think it's important is that again, these are, these three companies are competitors of one of another, of one another, uh, but they have formed an alliance essentially when it comes to lobbying to pass laws because a law that favors one of them will likely favor all three. And so while they're competitors, they do have an alliance for political support and rights in the areas mm. that they operate. Um, the algorithm that they use to compile your credit score is proprietary. So this is one of those things where believe it or not, nobody really knows what the algorithm is. And because of that, that's why you see a lot of mixed information out there on what happens if I miss a late payment or what happens, um, if I have three hard inquiries versus four, mm. And it is one of those things where nobody truly knows, like what should your, um, 
you know, your open, you know, your credit card utilization score, which we'll talk about, like, what should that be? Nobody really knows the answer. Mm-hmm. We're all kind of guessing within ranges, which is why you can read an article and it says 30%, another one says 40%, another one says 25 mm-hmm. okay. And do each credit, uh, bureau, uh, do each company weight things differently? And that's why some scores are different. Yes. And the other thing that I like to explain is just the way that an algorithm works. It's sort of like this circular formula that is ever, ever changing. So it it never stops calculating, if that makes sense. So you make a change and that then changes the score because it's all weighted as part of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why it's really hard for a person to say, if this happens, then this happens because it, there's so many factors that go into it and we're all coming to it with different factors that there's no real way to say, if I do this, then this will change by, by exactly this number of points. We can give averages, we can give ranges. Um, another, uh, really good rule of thumb is that the higher you are in a score, the further you will fall if something happens. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have a 680 score and you get one late payment your score might go down to 620. If you have a 760 score, you might go down to like a 640. So like uh. a much bigger drop um, because you're, it's that one hit is a really big deal because it's like a, it could show a trend or something like that. Does that make sense? It's mm-hmm. like the anomaly. Huh. So Interesting. Mm-hmm. What are the ranges for excellent, good, Poor. Do you know this off the top of your head? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I do know that the ranges, um, I have them right here in front of me, thank goodness. Um, Experian, the score range is 330 to 830. Equifax, the range is 300 to 850. And TransUnion is 300 to 850. You know, 700 or higher is... 700 is, you know, good. Um, you know, you get to be like 740 and higher and you're darn good. Mm. <laughs> okay. So 680 to 700, I would guess is probably fair. These are very loose guesses in my eyes from what mm-hmm. I've seen. So, and so for people that aren't, don't really know how credit works, the, the, obviously this is, I'm not dumbing it down, but I'm, I'm trying to simplify it as much as possible that if you go and ask for credit, I want to, uh, open a credit account and buy furniture, the lower your score is, when you try to purchase that, either the highest interest rate you're going to have uh, because you're riskier uh, or they're going to deny you because your credit is so poor. Is that? Yes, ex- that's a great point. So the idea is that this number determines, one, whether you can be approved or not. And then two, if you are approved, what are your terms for that? Do you get a really favorable interest rate? Do you? Is it a really high interest rate? Um, and that sort of thing. So it really does affect your finances for a very long time, you know, especially if you're going to take out a car loan, you know, some people can get a car loan at 0%, 0.9%, 1.9%. Other people, they're looking at like 13%, 15% if they can get one, you know? So, um, yeah, that's how it works. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to a point you're talking about that, we have to play their their game, right? Mm-hmm. And to have credit, to have a credit score and a good credit score, you have to have credit, right? And keep kind of a, a vicious mm-hmm. circle of uh, revolving. And a lot of people, and especially Dave Ramsey says this, that he doesn't have a credit score, right? Because he has paid, paid cash for some things, for everything for so long that his credit score is basically, it's probably 300, right, for most for most yeah, it's places. probably closed, yeah, um, or zero, or closed, Fro- frozen, frozen entirely, or, or whatever. Yeah. So he, if he tried to have credit, 
um, uh, put something on credit, he probably couldn't get it because he has no credit score because mm-hmm. he's paid for stuff with cash for so long. And that's what his goal is for a lot of people. But do you think that's how attainable is that for a normal person? Like that's his end goal, but mm-hmm. I would say that that's pretty hard for 99% of the population to actually get to that point. Yeah. So I agree. I, I uh, think it's really hard to obtain that. And he, some of his suggestions are around, well, if you don't have a score, you know, that can affect your car insurance, for example. So this affects not just your terms of a loan that you're trying to get, but also things like your car insurance. If you don't have a score, they're going to see you as high risk. So, and then a mortgage. So he says, well, some places, if you need a mortgage, but you don't have a score because you don't have credit cards or student loans or car loans and all of that, you go and they can do manual underwriting. And that's something you hear him say on his radio show all the time. And you have to, you know, really find that company that does that and find the right person and go through that process. And same with car insurance. He says that you have to find an agent who won't look at your score and that might work for some people. And other times I think, isn't it easier to just manage our money really well consistently and figure out how do we use credit cards effectively to just maintain a decent score so that we don't even have to jump through all those other yeah. hoops. Like I'm, I'm not sure some people, this is where like some people might really love his approach. Um, to me, that feels like a lot of work where if we put, you know, one thing on a credit card every month so that it's showing some activity, right? So this is where my strategy for clients is, and again, this is probably more for people who can't keep credit cards in their wallet because they might be tempted to like rack them up. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you, we here at Fiscal Fitness are not anti-credit card, 100%. I do believe that some people, it is absolutely okay if you don't use a credit card because you it's just simply too tempting for you. That doesn't make you a bad person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're evil or you're really dumb or anything. That is not a defining characteristic. It's it simply means that we have to find a healthier way for you. Okay. Um, and now some people, we're those people, like we just traveled this last weekend when we checked out of the hotel room, they put on the credit card, right? I, we, I came home and on Monday I took the money out of our travel fund and paid the credit card with it. To me, that's a very responsible and easy way of doing it. Um, and what's happening is, you know, there's also another strategy, which is, Pick something that is fixed and recurring and small. Netflix, Spotify, Hulu, any number of like small things. If you pay for like a car wash membership and you pay, you know, $19.99 a month for that, it's the same every single month and it's a fixed bill. Have that automatically go to a credit card. Okay. Mm -hmm. The statement prints, it shows up on your credit card statement. It gets reported to the credit bureau that you're carrying a balance, but you pay that immediately every single month. That way you're not paying interest. It's showing positive activity. Mm -hmm. But what we're talking about is something that could almost be automated quite seamlessly. So it automatically goes on there on the same day of every month. Your statement prints on the same day every month. You even have it set up to automatically make the payment at the same time every month. And since the dollar amount's the same, it's a fixed payment every month. It becomes really easy to manage. And what that's reporting is activity to the credit bureau showing that I have credit cards, I know how to use them well, and it can really help your score without saying like, I'm just not going to play this game at all, which might work for a very few select people, but I just don't think overall it's, it, it's that easy. Hmm. Interesting. James has a, a question on our Facebook live feed. And he James said, always has the geez, best he questions. He does, right? It's my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> Emma's mafia. Um, yes. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, we were young and stupid. Um, there, uh, so James asked, there are companies that offer free credit reports. What is the catch? Is there a catch? Credit Karma, how does that, um, how do the free reports and, and Credit Karma and that kind of Some of, of them do have a catch, so you have to be careful. The one that does not have a catch is called annualcreditreport.com. That is the one that was started by the, uh, essentially the government that said, you know, credit is becoming really, really important and there's they were finding tons of errors and all that kind of stuff. So legally, we want people to be able to check their report once a year for free from each of the three credit bureaus. Hmm. Okay. So they created annualcreditreport.com. This is completely free. There is no catch. You um, should absolutely go on there once a year and check your credit report and review it. The first time you do this, it feels like a ton of work because if you haven't done it in a while, you probably have like five years or six years worth of like activity to review and make sure it's accurate. But if you do it every year, the last five years is the exact same as it was the year before. And all you're reviewing is the current year. And not only that, but you get really good at like knowing exactly each credit report. You'll be surprised when you pull the credit report. Each one looks very different. The, the formatting of it, the way they've got it set up. And at first you're kind of like, what am I looking at? You know, and you kind of have to like teach yourself what it looks like, um, or what you're reading. But then every year you do that and you're like, oh, here's how this one works. And it's, mm. it becomes a lot easier. Okay. What about credit karma? I do like credit karma. Uh, credit karma shows you two of the three. Uh, there is no catch for that either. They don't even ask for a credit card or a debit card. The reason they can do that though, is because you, and you just have to know this, they get paid advertising dollars by credit card companies or, uh, car insurance and that sort of thing. So there's usually, um, a place on there that will say based on your credit profile, we, uh, we think you're eligible for this, these three credit cards where those three credit cards are paying them to advertise on that website. It doesn't mean that that's bad, but if you start signing up for all of that, or you're not aware of the fact that you're being marketed to, um, then you could maybe fall for something that you don't necessarily need. And you just have to be aware of that. But I actually do like credit karma. It is not hundred percent accurate though. And it's really important for people to know that. Oh, wow. So, you know, I don't know why I wish I knew why I wish that there was a really good reason. I've talked to a lot of mortgage brokers about this and nobody really seems to know why if there's like a leg or what's causing this. Um, but you could check credit karma and then go like a month later and go to buy a mortgage and your mortgage broker says, here's your score. And it's not the same as credit karma. Mm. Um, I do think the reason that I use credit karma or why I recommend people use credit car- karma is to, to watch trends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you all of a sudden you see your score jump up or jump down, it should be because you yourself did something and you know about it. If all of a sudden it takes a huge nosedive and you didn't do anything wrong, it's you're able to catch it right away. What happened? You can then dispute it right away. And you're not going to find out like three weeks before you were going to buy a car. And now you're scrambling to get it fixed. Cause that's the thing is a lot of the disputes, they're not quick necessarily. There's sure. like a timeline that's probably a whole nother podcast actually is disputing things on your credit report and like, what are those steps? Um, so I think it's good more from a monitoring standpoint, um, and in an awareness thing, right. Uh, it also gives you sort of like a credit score card. I think they call it where it says, you know, if you improve this or if you improve this, it'll, it'll help, which I, you know, I think anytime you can get sort of that feedback is, is good. Sure. Well, let's, uh, let's keep going here. Um, what are, what are a couple 
briefly, what are a couple things that would surprise people that actually hurt their credit, hurts their credit score? Something, um, too many hard inquiries. So applying for a lot of credit. Um, I think the biggest time that I see this happen that people don't realize is when they're going to go buy a car or buy a car and they're looking for a car loan. Um, the, uh, you want to sort of go in the times that we've bought a car in our 12 years of marriage. Can you believe it's been 12 years by the way? 12, right? Yeah. You've been stuck with me for 12 years. Um, stop. So, you know, early on in our marriage, we had car loans and stuff and we would go in and do you remember me sitting there and saying, if you run this credit to a whole bunch of different banks, I will murder you. Like Mm -hmm. I said this to the car guy. Uh Right. Um, and so what, so what happens is if you think about it, a dealership will have agreements with like 12 local banks, let's say, and credit unions and all that kind of stuff. And those agreements are based on, we're going to try and send you business. We're going to try and get clients to you. And we're going to refer this many people to you per month. And so they want to show good numbers, right? So what happens is if you aren't very clear about this, you will go in and you'll say, yeah, you know, I want to get a car and blah, blah, blah. And you're going to allow them to help you with financing. They will take your credit and they will send it to like 12 different banks all at one time. Wow. Because it makes them look good. Like they're trying to give you the business, you know, they're shopping for you. Um, And that can really hurt your credit. And I say the example 12, it could be three. It's still bad. Um, But I, the reason I say 12 is I literally had a client that, you know, showed me her credit report one time. And it was like a year before we had started working together. And we were like, what are, how can you possibly have like 15 hard inquiries? What did you do? And she's like, nothing, you know? And we pulled it up and it was like all of these different banks. They were all the same day. It was the day she bought her car. Wow. She knew it. And, uh, and, and I've seen it happen more than once. And in her case, it was 12 banks in one instance. Wow. So um, that can that can hurt your score. Uh, contrary to popular belief, it does not hurt your score if you check it yourself. Okay. So good. that is called a soft inquiry. So if you go to Credit Karma, Credit Karma does not hurt your score. Um, it's uh, What we're talking about is hard inquiry, where you're going to go and look for credit and you're going to allow them, the institution, to run your credit. That's considered a hard inquiry sure. and that can hurt you. Okay, good. That, uh, I mean, that's anything? that's huge. Just, think, just those because, yeah, those are probably the big things, right? I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, like, um, you know, having too much debt compared to the credit limit. So, mm-hmm. and again, this is one of those where you're going to see different ranges depending on the article. You know, whether it's 10 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent. So, what this means is, let's say you have a bunch of credit cards and your total credit limit is ten thousand dollars on on all the credit cards. Some say that your balances on those shouldn't be five thousand dollars or more. $4,000 or more, or $1,000 or more. And it, the higher you are, the the worse it hurts you, because it's this is where it's so stupid. Like, they want you to show that you can use debt, but don't use it too much, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's just- And like, what is too much, right. Means, right? So what I usually say there is shoot for 10% or less, because that we know that all of the credit reports will be happy if you do it that way. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if one of them is happy at 40%, but another one is happy at 10%, you've got one happy and one upset. So shoot for 10% or less, which means that any given time if they were to pull your credit um, the, or the balance on that credit card, the uh, your balance at that point is 10% or less of your, your credit limit. We know at that point you're showing activity, you're showing positive activity, but you're not showing too much 
positive activity. Right. Everyone's pretty much happy at that point. Cool. So that's a that's a conservative rule of thumb that I like to have people do. Okay, good. Uh, that's a really good tip. That's and that's it's good to be conservative with that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your your the the ways that you've seen clients improve their score the fastest or the easiest? Yeah. Probably so two or three things. Uh, okay, so the one thing that I will say that does not improve your score, and I think it's really important to know this because everybody thinks that it does. If you've got a collections item, these are called derogatory items. So a derogatory item is um, you know, a bill or like a utility bill that you didn't pay, a medical bill, and they throw it on your credit. Hmm. Okay. Um, paying these does not help your credit score. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Which... I know this really surprises people. What happens is the status will change from open to closed or unpaid to paid or something like that, but that's not going to help you any. What hurt your score is the item being added. The derogatory item being added to your credit score is what hurt. Okay. Hmm. So the only way to help your score in that case is to actually get it removed from your credit. So, and here's the thing is there are instances where we have to pay it even if we can't get it removed, because one, integrity-wise, if you owe it, we should probably pay it. Right. You know, there are some people who feel very firmly about that. Um, there are instances where your mortgage broker might say, I need you to pay that so I can actually get you approved because this is affecting you. It's not mm-hmm. from the credit score standpoint, but it's the underwriter needs to see it, or there's another reason there. Right. Another reason w- why we might want to pay it is if we think it's something they're going to come after us for. Okay, so if this is like a credit card balance of like $5,000, it could be likely that that gets sent to an attorney or something like that. So there are reasons why we might want to pay it regardless of the impact it could have on your credit score. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, before you pay it, you kind of have all the cards at that moment. So this is where you have something they want, which is your money. And so you want to use that as a negotiation, as a... um, What's the word I'm using for? Uh, bargaining chip. Bargaining chip. Thank you. Yes. You know, and this works really well for especially smaller doctor's offices and that kind of thing. Um, you know, you can essentially say, you know, I'll pay this. I'll even pay the full amount if you remove it from my credit report. It's often that you'll hear no, like three or four times. Keep asking. Don't pay anything. Just keep asking, you know. Um, ask to speak to a supervisor. I will say that, you know, collections people... Um, try to call in the morning. They haven't been listening to cranky people all day or getting yelled at all day. So, um, and they probably haven't been mean all day. I right. mean, because they, this is a ruthless job. I don't yeah. know how anybody does it. I'm sure that weighs on them by the end of the day. Ugh. Right. So call in the morning, use first names. A lot of the times they are getting yelled at all day. So if you can be a breath of fresh air for them, it's, I'm not saying that that can always make a difference, but if it can, it will. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just say, you know, I didn't even know this was out there. I would have paid it. You also want to sound like an extremely responsible person that you would have paid this had you known about it or something. You don't want to sound like, you know, again, they're probably dealing with people who are not admitting fault for things or trying to blame them for something. And so, again, if you can be a breath of fresh air in that way, mm-hmm. um, especially if it is truly something you know, okay, that you owed. Um, another thing I should really clarify right now is if you don't think you owe it, you should not even be negotiating at that point. You want to send a debt validation letter. Okay. So a debt validation letter, um, maybe we can post one of those in the notes of this or something, but, um, 
it really says like, you know, you send it in writing, they then have to respond in writing, proving that you owe the debt. So they've got to provide a history of it. The letter essentially gives you a, them a list of things that they must provide to you per your rights. Okay. So, um, it's a very official letter. Um, they have, I want to say 30 to 45 days to respond. I can never remember. Um, if it's something you don't think you owe, then you definitely want to go that route first and make them prove that you owe it. Mm. Okay. okay. So it, otherwise, if you do owe it, you know, if you have the money to pay it, like negotiate for them to remove it when they pay it and get it in writing if the person agrees. So if the person agrees, like, yeah, sure, I can go ahead and do that. Then get it in writing, say, and even an email with his signature, like his, you know, professional company signature at the bottom of it, um, would work because then you keep that forever and ever and ever because what happens is if you pay it, even if he doesn't remove it, I say he, I don't know why, she, whoever you're talking to, um, you then can upload it to your credit report and say, this was supposed to be removed, here's my proof. Mm. And then the credit reporting agency can remove it as a result. Gotcha. Okay. And then removing the item is what will help your score because then that makes it like it didn't even happen. Gotcha. Okay. But making it go from unpaid to paid unfortunately doesn't do any good. And I just think it's really important to do that because oftentimes a person will come in and they say, I got this bonus and I used it and I just like cleaned up my credit report and I paid off all this stuff. And it's like, oh, I wish you wouldn't have done that. You know, mm -hmm. like it's one, th I'm okay with us paying it, but I want us to get something out of it if we're going to pay it. Right. You know? That makes sense. Mm -hmm. well, we have about 10 minutes left. Okay. So we really have to get into this Equifax thing that is plaguing everybody. Okay. Is it worldwide or is it just you um, the United States. No, yeah. and it happens. So some people in Canada were affected, okay. Mexico. So yeah, they're. Uh, I don't know about worldwide, yeah. but international. International. Mm -hmm. So give us the cliff notes about really what happened and. Um, okay. How do you check to see if you're affected too? Yes. Okay. So there is a link, and I don't have it um, exactly. There, we'll post it. Yeah. As a comment. And it's been posted so on our Facebook too, right? We've posted a number of times, yes. So but, it's in, there um, from in the past. Essentially, week. from May to July, there was a data breach at Equifax where 143 million people Jeez. had their information stolen by thieves. Um, there's so many things wrong with this, and I don't want to get too much into it because I could get on my soapbox and get pretty passionate about this. It wasn't even announced until September, you know, even though they knew about it. You know, there's mm -hmm. they're saying they didn't know. I mean, who knows, right? It's it's a big, Crazy. big mess. Um, it's really, really unfortunate. During that time, a number of things could have happened before anybody even knew to keep an eye on it. So um, that's why I think it's important that to to go to this website and see if you are affected. Now, here's what's happening. We're, we're seeing family members and even some clients who are saying, it's actually coming back saying you were not affected. So I know that there's an idea out there that some, some bloggers or YouTubers um, typed in a bunch of random information to this website and to see what it would say. And it pretty much said you were affected for every single case. And so they were saying that the website was flawed, that it's pretty much telling everybody they were affected. I don't think that's true. Hmm. It is, I have seen it multiple, multiple times where it is telling a person that they were not affected, okay? I think what's happening is that if it can't find you, like, because you type in six digits of your social security number and your last name, if it can't find you, it's going to, I think, default to the conservative option, which is this saying that you may have been affected by the breach. That's, it's actually not even telling anybody you were affected. It's saying you may have been one of the ones affected for everybody. So, um... 
I think if that's the case, uh, you've got some options. This is where really checking your credit report, pulling it right away from annualcreditreport.com, opening Credit Karma and begin monitoring it. You're, you have two goals. The first goal is that if nothing has happened, you want to prevent anything from being able to happen, okay? The, f- the second goal is to monitor your, your credit report so that if something happens, you catch it right away and you can dispute it right away, mm-hmm. okay? And you can stop any further damage from happening. So those are the two goals. The first thing that you want to do is pull your credit report, make sure nothing has happened. Um, and again, review your bank activity, your checking account activity, your credit card activity. Uh, this should go without saying for me, because I want you guys to be doing this anyway, regardless of whether there was a data breach or not. I think you should just be checking your credit card statements, you know, yeah. your bank activity um, to make sure that there's no fraudulent charge. And these companies or these people, these thieves, they do it for small amounts that will come under, go under your radar, first of all. Okay. You know, like a little bit here and there, you think it's like, oh, my husband got gas at some random gas station I didn't recognize, right? Well, mm-hmm. someone's filling up their gas tank. So um, so that's the first thing that you should do is pull it right away, double check it. One, you should absolutely do this for elderly folks, minors as well. Um, those two groups tend to be the targets, you know, because they mm-hmm. know that no one's really looking at it that often. So you want to do that. Um Another option is to do a credit freeze. A credit freeze essentially says nothing new can happen to your credit report. Mm. Okay, you can't do it yourself and nobody else can do it. So if you are looking to take out new credit um, or apply for new credit, this is probably not a good option for you because once you do it, the only way to apply for that debt is to actually unfreeze it. So you can unfreeze it. the other thing that we found out today, so I don't know if Tammy is on, but today we found out that if you are nearing retirement age and you're going to be going to ssa.gov, hmm. uh, which is the Social Security Administration website, and either trying to look up your account or anything like that, um, if you have a freeze, you can't. Oh, really? So it actually freezes that as well. Um, so I did not know that. I didn't hmm. know that that was going to happen. So um, I, I learned something new during this process. So. Uh, a freeze uh, is essentially permanent until you unfreeze it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, a lot of them, I think right now uh, we posted and we can share the links for you know what the fees are to put a freeze on and unfreeze it by state. I think we paid five dollars each. Yeah, it's five dollars. Equifax is free. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the other ones come out as free uh, as free as well because of all of this. I think a lot of people are probably doing it. But even then, if you don't need credit for anything, a freeze is a really good option. Um, it is the most extreme option of the, all of them, uh, but it is a good option and it's really fairly inexpensive. So five dollars. I think one client. I don't remember what state she paid $10. So Hmm. yeah, it's um, based on state. It says that when you go in there, it says that because of you live in Arizona, it's $5, but there's other states that might be more or less. Mm -hmm. And on one of the Facebook live videos that I did about this, I posted links to here's the fees by state for Uh. TransUnion. Here's the fees by state for Experian and Equifax right now is free to do a credit freeze as it should be. They should be doing a lot for free, by the way. (laughs) Um, They should be giving all of us money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Sorry, that's my soapbox again. So um, we've got just a few minutes. So another thing is Equifax is offering free credit monitoring through their company 
I don't love this idea, to be honest. I don't really want anybody to give them business, to be frank. Um, mm-hmm. What's happening is they're, you're going to type in your information. They are then going to say, like, check back on this day. And you go back a few days later, and at that point, that's when you're going to enter in your credit card information. So when you first sign up for the credit monitoring, they don't ask for a credit card or anything like that. And so sometimes clients are saying to me, no, but they didn't ask me for a credit card. And I say, have you gotten to the second step of registering yet? And they say, no. And I say, you just wait. The second step of registering for the free credit monitoring is that you you give them your credit card and it auto renews after one year. Um. And so I think this is sort of like the law of attrition. I think they know that if they have a hundred thousand people sign up, if 90% of them cancel, they just get 10,000 new subscribers in that next year that they're going to charge fees for, um, for their credit monitoring for their own error. Right. So this is why I don't love this idea. Um, but that's maybe just me, you know, I tend to fight things based on uh, principle. Principle. So, um, (laughs) um, so there are some websites that offer credit uh, monitoring, American Express credit cards. If you've got one of those, you might want to call them and see Costco, uh, Discover Card, uh, City Card. Some of these credit cards are offering some sort of service. It may not be perfect, but it offers a little bit of a service. Credit Karma, like I said, uh, Wallet Hub, Mint, Credit Sesame. So what happens is usually a credit monitoring service will monitor one of the credit reporting agencies for free. So And the ones that monitor all three, you have to pay for. So my recommendation is sign up for three of them that are free, but they each cover a different credit report. Mm, Okay. okay. Uh, So you can also do a a fraud alert. A fraud alert, uh, if you do it at one credit report, it will automatically go to all three. Hmm. So where a credit freeze, you have to individually apply to all three. Um, a cr- fraud report is temporary. It's only good for 90 days. That's one of the reasons I don't love it is because this could happen six months from now, you know, a thief yeah. doing something. So, hmm. um, I, I think it's still good. So if you don't need anything for 90 days, but you're not sure past that, then I would do a fraud alert. What a fraud alert does is it makes it so that if you were to go go and apply for credit, it's not that your credit is frozen, but they're going to require a lot more information in order to verify that it's you. So, you know, if you go into like a store and at the cashier, you could literally apply for a store credit card with like one other credit card that you own. Like it's so simple. It's a little scary how simple it is. Yeah. So if a fraud alert happens, they're going to make you call a number where you have to enter in a PIN number. You've got to ask identity questions like your car loan from five years ago, who was it financed through? Like those types of identity Mm -hmm. questions in order to get approved. So it's not that you can't do it. It's just that you jump through some extra hoops, which would hopefully prevent one of these thieves, if they have your information, to um, not be able to do it not be able to open anything. Uh, The last thing that I'm recommending is file your taxes early. People don't realize that this is a connection to all of this. Mm. Um, If they have your social security number, if you wait until late to file and they have filed under your social security number, it creates a huge delay because you are the one seen as making the error, not the first person. So file as soon as you can. If you get all of your stuff by February 2nd, CPAs, I'm sorry, please don't hate me for giving this advice. If anything, we want people in sooner and not waiting to the last minute, right? So Making get, your job easier, right? Right, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. But we really need to try and get the, the tax file done as quickly as possible. That way you are registering the, the tax um, return under that social security number first, okay? And if someone tries to do it, they're going to be the one that's going to have to provide some proof and identity and all of that, 
Great. Cool. Okay. Good advice. Well, I know you got to get going. I know. I have a coaching that's call. That's fine. Sorry. So I'm going to finish up with uh, some personal insight for freezing from, from when I did it. And then um, talk about the, the links and how to find all this information on Facebook. And then we'll get out of your way. So say goodbye to Kelsey, everybody. Um, so when I was doing the freeze for uh, all of our credit scores, um, Equifax was actually pretty easy to do. Um, TransUnion was pretty easy to do, but you you apply, and then you have to go into, they have some My Identity or Identity First or something like that that they try are trying to get you to apply for on top of your free. So be careful that you're not applying for that credit, or credit monitoring or whatever that is. Once you get in there, you'll kind of see what I mean. Um, you can uh, uh, sign up for that and make sure you're not giving your credit card information to pay for that. Then you almost have to exit back out, use the link again, and go into uh, TransUnion, and then actually do the free. So it's very, they, they, they try to trick you um, to sign up for additional services, not just the free. So be careful of that. Um, these are all done online, and they're either five bucks or free if you're using Equifax. But when I was doing... Um, uh, Experian, they actually are a little bit more of a longer of a process, and they ask you questions about your credit history. So they ask things like, um, you opened a line of credit with this uh, uh, in November of 2015 using which bank? And it'll list like four banks, and then it gives you the option of none of the above or not applicable. Um, and so you really have to know your, your history and your credit history too. So, so be careful that it asks you probably like five of these type of questions. Um, and either they weren't happy, like I got one wrong or they weren't happy with one or they do this for everybody. I don't know, but, um, they, they dinged me and said, nope, uh, you for data security reasons, you have to apply by mail. So I had to print out the form, fill out the form. It's like a, a picture, a copy of your photo ID, the form and a $5 check and you have to mail it now and and you can't get back in to do it electronically anymore. So just be careful of that and it's not a big deal, it's just gonna take longer and it's it's manual, not over the internet. So if you do get dinged and that was uh, Experian, that they'll make you do that. Um, uh, if you need these links or want them or want to share them, in our Facebook, we have, Kelsey did an awesome Facebook Live video in the past week or so that goes over all this and she provides all the links in the comments. Also, we have a blog post that is on our blog on fiscalfitnessphx.com. Uh, that is the most recent blog post, and I also shared it in the Facebook page in the past week or so. So that is all there for you with all the links and all the information you need so you don't have to be searching and, and uh, while you're listening and going back and listening. So um, the uh, last thing I wanted to cover was uh, make sure you catch Kelsa on connect-inspired-go.com. Uh, she ran away with the paper, so I don't know the date anymore, uh, but it's coming up here pretty soon, Connect Inspire Go. You can Google that. It's in Gilbert, uh, and it's an awesome day-long women's expo with awesome speakers. Uh, Kelsey is going to be speaking there. Um, the amazing Vanessa Shaw is going to be speaking there, who's an, uh, a business coach that just has done amazing things for us. So go check her out. Um, and you can find all that information, and we'll probably be posting pretty soon um, on uh, where you can get some some discounted tickets uh, through us. So uh, 
check that out. Also, if you're in Phoenix, October 6th, 7th, and 8th is the Women's Phoenix Expo. Um, that is just, it's at the Phoenix Convention Center. It's huge. There are huge keynote speakers. Marsha Clark is going to be there, the former prosecutor for O.J. Simpson case. Uh, and then two of the Real Housewives ladies that I have no, uh, know nothing about, but Kelsa loves them, so they'll be there. She is speaking, I believe, on Saturday the 7th at 2 p.m., uh, on the main stage, I think, uh, and she'll be talking about how to use our step-by-step process. And then we'll have in the comments here and on Facebook how you can register for that for free and be our guest. Uh, and go and you can go for the whole weekend and just learn and see all the vendors and get some free stuff and learn some awesome stuff all for free, I think. So uh, if you have any other questions or comments, it, it looks like we might be frozen on Facebook. Sorry about that. But uh, if you need anything else, you can email me at michael at fiscalfitnessphx.com or leave comments on our Facebook page. Uh, But other than that, we will see you guys later. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.